Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show, and today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a familiar word to many, if not most people today. It's actually a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity. The bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature. And through this process, we are restored to our original wholeness. And although when many people hear the term yoga, they think of it in a very limited way as a form of exercise or stretching, it's actually a much wider system with philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Our topic today is yoga's promise of wholeness. Yoga philosophy states that we are all whole at our deepest level, despite conditions that may make us seem to be incomplete. And this is a a wonderful topic to discuss with our guest today, Matthew Sanford a nationally recognized yoga teacher, sought-after public speaker, founder of the nonprofit Mind Body Solutions, and a paraplegic for the last 37 years. Matthew won the 2010 Pioneer of Integrative Medicine Award from the California Pacific Medical Center's Institute of Health and Healing. Matthew is the author of the book Waking, a Memoir of Trauma and Transcendence, and the subject of the documentary Standing Still, Still Standing. You can find out more about Matthew and his work at the website mindbodysolutions.org. Welcome, Matthew Sanford. I'm delighted to have you as a guest today on the Yoga Hour. It's an honor to be here. So before we begin our dialogue about yoga's promise of wholeness, let's just take a minute. Let's take a yoga moment and bring our attention and awareness to the present. Oh. As we bring our attention to the present, Let's just take a moment to take a fully conscious breath. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we can always use this, use our breath as a tool, as our breath is always with us. So just take a moment now and notice as you inhale and exhale. Don't change the rhythm of your breath. Just notice its natural flow. Feeling the cool air in your nostrils as you inhale. And feeling the warm air coming out. 
And just imagine with each inhale, we can dive within. And with each exhale, we can relax. In this moment, as we dive within, let's open our heart to the essence at the core of our being. This one reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and right now, this divine essence is present as you as me, as everyone and everything. It's within us, between us and all around us. And just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We can watch as perhaps thoughts or feelings arise. And we can also notice as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond sensation, pure existence being. We feel the peace that emanates from this essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. And as we close this yoga moment remember this is a piece that is portable we can take it with us everywhere we go today and share it with everyone we meet Once again, Matthew Sanford, welcome to the Yoga Hour. I'm really delighted to have this conversation with you about yoga and wholeness. That's great. I'm happy too. In your book, Waking, you describe your experience of being a hospital patient after the accident in which you had a spinal fracture and became a paraplegic at age 13. You describe the difficulty the Western medical system had in treating you as a whole person. Would you share some of that story with our listeners? How did the Western medical system view your injury in mind-body terms? Well, the you know, it's, there are many ways to think about it, and, and, and of course, the, the caregivers did the best they could, and the doctors had all the right intentions and all these things. And when I say that my whole being wasn't, wasn't treated, it wasn't that they weren't kind to me, although the one thing about acute care you have to understand, especially after a catastrophic accident, is that the, 
for me, I was in a car accident. The, the violence didn't stop at the accident scene. It began. Mm-hmm. And the corrective violence that, was, that happened in, in acute care saved my life. So the debt of gratitude, I would not be here without the care I got. But, right. but it was also very traumatic. And, mm-hmm. and has its own has its own scars, right? So, right. And because they had to counterbalance this, you know, they think maybe the car bounced over my chest, and so, boy, you know, that I'm here is a miracle. What I mean, how they viewed my injury, though, I mean, it's very typical for the Western paradigm to think about about the two main accesses of any injury as being physical, right? And that's obvious. I have a physical injury. I, I among a host of other injuries, I. I I've severed my spinal cord at T4, right about my chest, right? But then, then they think of the injury as psychological and emotional. Now, that type of simple split, right, um, is, is, I think, not adequate to capture my experience. Um, in fact, the deeper component of my injury is a, is a mind-body injury. What I would say is the main axis of my injury, the one that I experience as I live my life, is that I have a harder time being present in my whole body. Right? Right. So if you tickle the bottoms of my feet, I don't feel it. If I tickle the bottoms of your feet, you feel it. And right. then the main axis of my experience is a mind-body injury. It has a physical cause, and it clearly has got psychological and emotional repercussions. But what, the way that on a real fundamental level that both the doctors and the rehabilitation model missed is that they had to help me rehabilitate my presence within my whole body. Now, for them, that wasn't really possible because my spinal cord was severed and their understanding of presence within the body is limited to what can be distributed by the central nervous system. And so they didn't even think about this whole other component of our consciousness because it didn't fit into their paradigm. So their failure to treat me as a whole person has to do with them not rehabilitating all of my consciousness by assuming that the things that I'm talking about, mind-body presence, is the same as psychology or right. as psychological. Yeah. Now, that is so great. And I, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that later because I, I know you're currently a speaker and you talk to you know some of these people about, about these sorts of issues. But first, I wanted to touch on, so how did you come to study yoga? Well, you know, I was um, injured when I was 13 and I I basically, I was a good kid. I followed the rules, right? I followed, like, the vision of rehabilitation that was handed to me, which was basically, after my injuries and I got through the survival part, was to basically learn, because I'm, par- I'm completely paralyzed from the chest down, is to, is to make my upper body from my chest up really strong and learn to compensate and drag my paralyzed body through life. That right. on some very deep, profound level, that although I could look at my feet and think about them from the outside, I couldn't live in my in my feet from the inside. Right. And so that vision of overcoming, of somehow succeeding or overcoming disability, which is a cultural meme in our culture. I mean, the rehabilitation model is a direct reflection of how our culture views both aging and disability, is that somehow you're supposed to overcome it. But one of the right. fundamental questions that I ask is, how do you overcome the only body you're ever going to have? <laughs> Which I think is such a it. great, such a great point. And also, I think it's wonderful that you're bringing this, you know, for everybody. I mean, this is something that we're all, you know, we're all going through. You know, this, you know, this separation between uh, mind and body. And that's that's part of the hope of the book, wake of my book, waking, is that you see yourself in my story. 
it's very easy to have my story because, you know, I go from paralyzed 13-year-old to a yoga teacher and all these other things, and it looks like an overcoming story from the outside. But, right. in fact, the book itself is intended to make you question and wonder about what it's like to live in your own body. Right. right. And, and so it's got this other message because everybody on some level lives a mind-body problem. Our yeah. mind tends to run off and separate from our body, and that's pretty much a simple definition of stress. Mm. When the mind gets overwhelmed and loses connection and the grounding influence of the body, you yeah. have anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. So, so I mentioned in the meditation, uh, or in the introduction rather, the Sanskrit word yoga does mean oneness, union, or unity. And yoga states there's one consciousness, one reality, one presence that is manifesting as everything in the world and as each of us. And in this way, yoga holds that we are all part of this infinite wholeness and therefore are already whole, even if surface appearances may seem otherwise. And when you and I had a chance to talk a couple weeks ago, you mentioned this phrase that I was intrigued by. You said that wholeness is a concept that needs to be deepened. So what did you mean by this? How does our concept of wholeness need to be deepened? Well, the one thing that's so difficult about how the, you know, like yoga philosophy talks about it, they, you know, they say that this world that we live in every day is, is an illusion, right? And the real truth is the one you're saying, the one essence. But I think that, right. that, I think that there's like even some concepts coming out in, in, in deep and progressive physics right now that there can be change without change. Mm. That the eternal and the constant that, that the yogic, I think, lineage is trying to pass down is simultaneous and can be simultaneous with, with what you're experiencing. Like I'm looking at my water bottle right now and then there's me. Right, and this other level of reality is simultaneous with it, and I think that that's an important thing. It's not like you know that 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 whatever the the what's so difficult about the realization that I think yoga the yoga lineage is trying to pass down is that the unity, the eternal, and this is a problem for any organized religion too. But I don't think yoga is an organized religion necessarily. Is that right. is that is that the the unified part, the constant part, the wholeness, the oneness, is actually an invisible feature of our ordinary experience. Mm -hmm. That it takes you expanding in order to realize its truth. Now, the other thing that I think is interesting is I don't just mean expanding like mentally with knowledge, right? Because the truth is, is that in order for... You know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a recovering academic philosopher, right? So, yeah, that's what I went to, <laughs> yeah. to graduate school and stuff, and so that mental awareness itself, and this is a, in is in also in the yogic philosophy, is that in order for mental awareness to even get traction and us to have it, we have to divide our world into both the subject and the object. The fact that I'm looking at my water bottle, that there's a distinction there. That's the requirement for us to be mentally aware. So one of the unique things that I deeply believe is that mental awareness can never come, I mean, a unity, the sensation of wholeness, can never come strictly from a mental awareness. Right. There has to be a deepening. Yes, right. an Mental, experiential component, absolutely. A, a big time, because I think, you know, one of the things I like to say to my students is that your mind is the organ of disconnection. That's mm. what it does. That's how you think, because you're separate from the world. You're, you're able to think about it. So it's the organ of disconnection, and I think the spine is the organ of connection. Mm. 
mm-hmm. that your spine is actually integrated and, and like emanating in every direction. Your life force is centered through your spine. Your brain just happens to organize it. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. I think wholeness requires an expansion of beyond thinking that you can get to wholeness mentally. Although right. certainly, and you know, Patanjali will be talking about the mind quieting down, ceasing its oscillations, that the mm-hmm. mind itself has to quiet down in order for the unified world to appear. Mm-hmm. And to be no, it's really, that's, that's great. So you've already sort of touched on this, but can you say more about how your practice of yoga really helped you to reconnect with your wholeness? Yeah, so you got to understand, too, is like if you think about my injury more descriptively rather than as a physical injury, it's like somebody took a syringe of silence mm-hmm. and injected it into my mind-body relationship below my chest. Right. So, like, just use the metaphor of sound. Like, like when someone touches your knee, I'm calling that sensation like a sound, like something coming across the black, the black screen of attention. Right. right. But for me, there isn't that input coming across, right? So I have to figure out how to be present and feel life and sensation even in what appears to be a, la- a loss or a lack of sensation. Right. right? So, and it turns out that, that the yoga practices and the yoga lineage is much better at exploring into the unknown dimension, the intangible dimensions of our human consciousness. And, it, and that, that I've been able since doing yoga and being much more aware of things like not just breath, but like gravity shifts, presence of my bones, alignment, precision, I've been able to get a sense of, of presence in the darkness. In waking, I compare it to, you know, walking from a well-lit room into a dark room. And at first, you, your eyes can't see anything, and it's really scary. But if you wait and are patient and truly start to listen and use the senses of our human consciousness that go beyond our five senses, what I say in waking is there's usually enough light to find your way around in the dark room. There's The sounds start to gain texture. The silence gains texture, and you're able to make it through. And that, I think, is it's not just true for someone who lives with paralysis like I do. I think that that's a metaphor for all of us, is that we all have unknown dimensions of what we are, and learning to integrate, integrate them, in, them into what you are without it having to be knowledge, um, that allowing the integration of the intangible to be, to be experiential, then I think you start to head towards wholeness. Yeah, I really appreciated that about your description in the book that that analogy with a you know with a, with darkness and with being willing to hang out you know in that as you're saying that absence of sensation and realizing that there still is a way you know within that you know if you have a, a patience and kind of are tuned into a more subtle you know component that you actually still can feel your legs you, you can really still be can. in touch with your legs. That's, and, and, and with, with the unknown, I mean, self-realization is being able to gather up not just what's, what you can feel and control, what's tangible, but self-realization is being able to harness up what you can feel and control with what you can't feel and can't control. And mm-hmm. what asana does, yoga poses, is tries to show you how those things can both be harnessed into movement. And that's the key to a, an evolving yoga practice and an asana practice is being able to 
integrate the less tangible with the tangible into fluid movement. Mm. So in your experience, what are some of the benefits of being in touch with this wholeness, this wholeness of our mind, body, spirit, emotions, and essence? Um, you, you know, one of the things I know you touched on in our earlier conversation was uh, was compassion. Yep, yep, for so sure. Can you and say more about that? Fact, yeah, in fact, my I just finished last week my my next book. Oh and wow! It's all about compassion and nonviolence. So um, I think that that that's a big question we have to kind of like work into, and then over the next time. Um, but some of the benefits, I think that the other thing I'm I'm been studying and paying attention for a long time as a yoga teacher and living in the body and the consciousness that I have is that the effect of trauma on on the on our on human consciousness and I think that that one of the true benefits of of yoga or whatever is is to heighten your sense of connection not just within your own body not not just on the level of personality but on the level of what you are. And one of the real paradoxes of, I think, exploration um, and being a seeker with this one and precious life that we all get right now is that, is that as you go inward at first, as you start to become more aware of what it is, what, what it is to be you, but what it is what you are here, the more you go inward, the more you connect to the world around you, that there's a real deep paradox. And, and I explain in my next book, it's like, if you become more aware of your breathing, and at first you start paying attention to the air through your nostrils and the feeling of it into your lungs, and, but you know, you start, you're really self-aware, and during those first initial moments, right, you're more self-aware, and initially you're probably less aware of your surroundings, of the room you're in, of all that's going on in the world, because your your self awareness has brought you in. But that's mm-hmm. only the initial phase, right? That it starts with becoming more self aware, and as you do, you become more aware of what's around you in a mm-hmm. way that doesn't take vision, right? And this actually translates to a yoga pose too. Is that in order to extend gracefully outwardly through your body, you have to move towards the midline of your body, towards the bones and towards the core of, of what you are and your experience. And so I think that, that the process of moving inward is the only way to truly connect to what's outward. So when I talk about it, I talk about it this way, is that you actually need but the boundary of your body in order to unify with the universe at, mm-hmm. uh, on a practical level. And what I mean by that is if you didn't have any boundary to start the process, it wouldn't be unification, it would be dissolving or disassociation. Right. right? Human conscious can disassociate from experience, too. That's what ter- sur- um, trauma survivors know, that that's mm-hmm. how they survive a lot of things. They forget, they disassociate from the experience. But the difference between, there's a big difference between disassociation and dissolving and becoming unified with, the, with, 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 the, with your experience in the world around you. And that initially, initially takes boundary. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, uh, you know, that's uh, that distinction between dissolution um, and it really what you're talking about is bringing, it, bringing us to it consciously. You know, that in order yeah, to so go there consciously, to... you can't just dissolve, you know, right. into so it. Like... And yet it is a paradox because you can't get there mentally, as you've just said. That's you know, exactly and I, right. I totally agree. You know, you can't think your way 
uh, into that. this experience. Like for example, like for example, I might be able to try a little thing right now. So like, so like for the listeners out there, we've only like, got about a minute, just as a warning. Okay. So, um, for for the you, it, the problem with the unity is it sounds like a mental abstraction, but right. it's an experience. So, so listener, just be more aware of the of the space between your ear, the bottom of your ear, and your shoulders. Try to be more aware of balancing your head over your neck. When you do that, you start to feel what's outside of you more, too. There's a relationship between balance and unity, and that's a very coarse sensation in human consciousness. Mm. That that is really lovely. So, And uh, unbelievably, we've already come to uh, um, toward the break. Uh, you're listening to The Yoga Hour with special guest Matthew Sanford. He's a yoga teacher, author, paraplegic, and founder of the nonprofit organization Mind Body Solutions. You can find out more about his work at the website mindbodysolutions.org. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at uh, unity.fm. And I realized I finished that all pretty quickly. We actually got another minute and a half. So well, the other I did want to go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. The other thing that's important about the thing I just said is that this is what the paradox of the how body awareness is. I think a prerequisite for full for for the beginning sensations of unity. As I asked the listener to make space between the shoulder and the ear and balance the head over the neck. In order to truly do that, you have to kind of ground your sits bones, your sitting bones. You have to ground within your body in order to expand and extend your presence into the world. And so there's a relationship. I think that our culture in general, with how busy our lives are, I think that we're we're losing touch with the sensation of grounding. And this is something that we all need to study in order to deepen towards wholeness. Mm. Absolutely. And as we already talked about, you know, this this mind-body separation that, you know, you obviously experienced as a jolt, you know, when you were in the auto accident and became paralyzed, it is a process that everyone, you know, goes through, even on a daily basis. I think, you know, thinking about how much of the time we spend sitting and looking at screens, um, mm-hmm. whether it be social media or just at work, you know, just all this work that we're doing on, you know, computers and kind of even losing sense of our bodies um, For sure, and at, we have ultimately get duller. I mean, if you don't, if you don't let your consciousness reboot through the body, that's why creative people know to take walks. They get up and walk around. This is Yoga Hour. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. 
Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate Today. Inspiration only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm. There is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child, trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Do you know people who are making the world a better place, but not getting much recognition? Nominate them for the New Thought Walden Awards. This is the first year for the Walden Awards, a joint partnership among Unity, the Centers for Spiritual Living, the Association for Global New Thought, and other New Thought organizations. Read more about the awards at unity.org slash Walden and nominate the people you know who are truly making a difference. Bring someone's good work to light. Tune into Everyday Attraction with Ray Zander every Friday at 12 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. Take a deep dive into the teachings of Abraham and discover how to make the law of attraction work for you in your life. Each week, Ray goes into the heart of understanding the power of our emotions and how to become conscious co-creators. Learn how to release resistant thoughts and live life to the fullest. Find out more at everydayattraction.com. Here's a unity mindful moment. The ancient Chinese philosopher known as Lao Tzu brings us into the present moment with this quote. Do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving till the right action arises by itself? The master doesn't seek fulfillment, but not seeking, not expecting, is fully present and can welcome all things. When you're feeling impatient, think about this passage and trust in the moment. To join the show, use the live chat window or call now, 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning, and welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Our guest today is Matthew Sanford, a yoga teacher, author, paraplegic, and founder of the nonprofit organization Mind Body Solutions. You can find out more about his work at the website mindbodysolutions.org. So, Matthew, in addition to our physical body, yoga describes that we each have a subtle body or energetic body. And, you know, for, for people who you know, have heard about, for example, chakras, you know, that's where the chakras are. They're not in the physical body. They're in the energetic body. So in your book, you describe how yoga practice helped you to feel the subtle body and use it to reconnect with your legs. And we've already sort of mentioned this, that after the accident, you described that your lower body felt like being in a dark room. 
And that when you hung out there and waited, you realized there were still signals coming from your legs, but they were more subtle. So can you describe how it felt the first time you were able to reconnect with your legs through yoga? Yeah, um, there's actually, you know, it, it's, a, it's a process, but there is a particular incident that actually one night where it became more apparent. The one thing I want to say is that I tend to, in, in terms of the subtle body, gross physical body distinction, I mean, I think there's a, you can talk about it in terms of chakras, you can talk about it in terms of the koshas, but I tend to try to make it even more practical and simple and t- try to point out experiences that you have in your body where your awareness is moving without muscular action, mm-hmm. right? And and that's that's something I can talk more about, but... But so it, to make it even more practical, there are times like if you if you are standing on your two feet or even in your sits bones and you push down through your sitting bones and you feel a rise up your spine, and mm-hmm. that that rise up your spine up through your heart to your mouth is not like exactly physical. That's also an example of a subtle body. But for me, I was practicing. So there was a, there's a crucial scene in the in, in waking where, well, first when I met my yoga teacher. I remember that that I had been a kid that had survived the trauma of acute care by disassociating from my body. But while I did that, I felt that there was a texture or something to our experience that was missing. And so when I first saw my yoga teacher, and and she um, had me just like guided me through putting my hands in prayer and making it real physical, making you know lengthening. You know, making your elbows feel happy, try, uh, heavy, open your palms, touch up to the fingers. But I started to feel this, like, humming increasing in my body. And I, could, I kind of felt it through my whole body. So right away I felt this thing that had been denied as a 13-year-old boy because the doctors told me I had no sensation below my point of injury. And right. right away that started to change. And then she did something else. She had me get out of my wheelchair onto the, onto the dojo mat. I was in a martial arts studio. And I had to take my legs wide. It's called it's a pose called Upavista Kanasana. Imagine your legs are, are are in a big Y, a big V. And all of a sudden I felt this rush of awareness, like like and at simultaneously it affected me emotionally. I had tears come out of my eyes without any volition, without any like sadness that I was aware of. And what I realized is that I, I started yoga twelve years after my accident, that I hadn't had my legs wide in twelve years. Wow. Right, and that, and that, because why would a paralyzed guy ever take his legs wide like that? I'm only transferring right. and getting on off the toilet and out of bed, and like that, this feeling of wholeness that came just by literally taking up more space again. Mm-hmm. Right, there was a sensation of that. In fact, when I teach people around the country, and someone that comes and says, "It's been a quadriplegic for 35 years," I'm thinking of one woman I was with with in Boston, and and she all of a sudden for the first time had her arms and legs wide in 35 years. You wouldn't believe the sensation she had just in virtue of taking your body in more spaces. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it really, it really doubled down in one night in a pose that Mahamudra is a really interesting pose. It's, um, it's, a, it's a kind of a forward bend. You let one leg, you sit on the ground, one leg's out straight, and one leg's pulled back into, into Janusasana, or pulled back in the sole of the foot, it's put on the inner thigh. And you do a kind of a lock in your lower abdomen, and all of a sudden I did that pose one night, and, and my whole body just lit up. And it reminded me both of when the first time I met my yoga teacher, Joe Zukovich, who lives in San Diego, California. And, and it reminded me of that first time I met her, but all of a sudden I could see how my, my straight leg thigh had to hit down. And as it hit down, my chest could rise. And this wasn't a physical experience. It was on this other level 
that we all have. It's not just me. It's not just being a paraplegic. There's a subtler, deeper level of our consciousness that is more unified, not only within the in within our bodies, but is more unified with the space around us. Mm. So how has this ability to feel your whole body helped you? For example, in things like making transfers or, or you know, and that just means way. like going from lying down to sitting up or going yeah. getting out of your wheelchair. How, how is it helpful? Well, like on a real practical level, I have more sensation. I can tell when I'm in pain. It's not like you can tell you're in pain. I can tell my bladder is full, when my balls need emptying, when things something's wrong in my body. So one of the things I like to say is that my paralyzed body didn't stop talking to my mind it just mm. changed its voice mm. and 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 there's and the nervous system is somehow so miraculous that it's connected you know there's we have more connections to our body than just through our central nervous system and that's one of the truths of my experience but but it also made me lighter with transfers um it made my actions have to be less physical and less violent and colliding with my body mm. and more graceful if you think about what grace is, the, when someone moves gracefully, it almost feels like they're riding on air and stuff, right? They're not just pounding their feet on the pavement step after step, that there's a lightness in them. Like, mm-hmm. that's what happens to anybody that starts to realize this subtler level ex- of experience within their mind-body relationship. That's not just for someone, but it's also incredibly practical, it also makes you have better boundary with the world and a whole bunch of wonderful things mm-hmm. that we, we try to teach healthcare professionals. My nonprofit, we don't just teach yoga, but we teach healthcare professionals trying to help them who are dealing with compassion fatigue and trying to help them realize that this deeper part of them is the source of compassion. Mm. Oh, that's really lovely. So you mentioned that um, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago that you, I think, I think will be, I think the conference is still coming up, a speaker at an upcoming trauma conference in in Boston. Mm-hmm. So when you speak to healthcare professionals, like what you know, what change is it that you'd most like to see in the way rehabilitation medicine approaches traumatic injury? Well, well how rehabilitation? The conference I'm speaking at is the Boston Trauma Conference, right? Um, 29th annual one, and it's this, May, this, this end of May. Um, they're focusing on, on neuroscience, right? Mm-hmm. But rehabilitation, I would say, is that, that we want to rehabilitate not just the physical body, not just the emotional and psychological part of our being. We want to re- rehabilitate the mind-body, relate, the mind-body connection, that, that experience. And when you do, it's got psychological and emotional benefit and physical benefits. So with rehabilitation, once, once, let's just use my, my story as an example, right? You have, I have to learn all the practical things that rehabilitation teaches me, you know, how to transfer, how to get up from laying down, all those things, right? But they're not helping me realize how to be fully present in my whole body, even if it's different than the way someone that doesn't have a spinal cord injury is, it's essential to a well-being and a, and a good life. And so, so I think that what I want in rehabilitation is the healthcare professionals to get more comfortable and better at teaching more subtlety in the mind-body relationship while they're teaching me everything else. Mm-hmm. Now, when I talk to a bunch of scientists, that's a little bit different that are very interested about the brain. Like, I think that what happens to research, these neuroscientists that will be a lot at this conference, the neuroscientists are actually not thinking about, they're thinking about synapses and, and, 
and, and brain science and not enough about the human experience of trauma. Mm-hmm. Clearly the brain gets its shape changed and its function changed by trauma. That they've proven. But how that bridges the gap into our experience, the fact that someone that lives with trauma tends to feel very disconnected, not only from people, but also they tend to like collapse their chest and have all these body habits that happen that, that, that are a, set, a, a literal three-dimensional manifestation of their sense of disconnection, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that trying to help people with trauma re, reconstitute, reboot through their body is one of the best ways ways that that can help. And to the, mm. the, to the credit of neuroscience, they're not getting more interested in the description of a paralyzed yogi, right? That they realize that their conceptual understanding of what they're, what they're studying isn't deep enough to include the human experience enough. Mm. I am really excited that, you know, you're going to be speaking at this conference. I think that says something, you know, about uh, the perhaps, you know, new openness, as you're saying, you know, to people. I think it's very uh, much, the medical yeah. science is definitely evolving right now. Yeah. So you teach yoga classes for everyone, regardless of their physical limitations, and have said that you want to open yoga to everyone. In your book, Waking, you state the principles of yoga are non-discriminating. They can travel through any body. And I especially like this because I think in the popular mind, probably driven by people's experiences waiting in line at a grocery store and looking at the at the front of yoga magazines and seeing typically women, <laughs> very lithe, you know, uh, women, um, you know, in some kind of a pretzel pose. And that's what they think of yoga. So I'm really, you know, all for this idea that everybody, it's really for everybody. So what types of people with disabilities have you worked with? Well, pretty much you can't. I've been doing it for so long that I pretty much works with everything, with all types of conditions. And to further elaborate on the idea that the principles of yoga don't discriminate, but yoga poses do, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I can't do shirsasana headstand, at least not in the way that is shown in the books, right? Right. I'm never going to be able to get upside down and hold myself up through gravity. But that doesn't mean that the experiences of poses aren't accessible to me. They're, each pose breaks down into different components. There are principles that make any asana work. Because you know what re- yoga really is, is not the, uh, not the shape of, that your body takes. It's actually the level of awareness that begins, begins to manifest in any movement, right? Mm-hmm. So it's bringing more consciousness to movement rather than less. And that can happen in any position. But there are basic principles that make asana work, that make yoga poses work. Like you have to go down in order to go up. Now, mm-hmm. that's so simple. Just think about every time, like, Laurel, when you stand, you lean right. forward, more, more pressure goes through your feet. You press down through your legs. Your chest starts to rise, and you stand up to a, to a vertical position. Right. The principle down to go up is in every single yoga pose. Mm. Right. The other one that's that for a refining yoga practice that isn't just a physical workout, you have to go in to go out. Mm. Right. You have to learn to go towards the midline in order to extend gracefully. So if I'm going to reach out from my arm, my arm straight out from my body, I can just reach my arm straight out from my body and all the all the weight's going to go on. The pressure is going to go on my rotator cuff 
or I can ground my sitting bones or ground my feet if I'm standing, activate my core, and then extend my arm out. I have to go inward towards the midline of my body in order to gracefully move outward. That would be another principle. And, and you know, I don't just teach people disability. I train teachers from around the world how to teach people. And we right. have sets of principles that are, are in every pose that you can, like, who, you know, like, for example, this is obvious, but a yoga pose moves in multiple directions at once. Right. It's not ever going in one direction. Who can't you teach that? Even someone that can't, that can't move, like someone with ALS that's near the end of their life, which we have an, a program for end-of-the-life people called Living to the End. Um, even people that are, are quadriplegics, you can help them extend out through their feet with their subtle body, even though they can't physically do it. Right. Yoga, you can move in multiple directions in your body, even if you're not on the outside being able to show it physically. And that's what, that's the level that yoga is so rich and so deep. It can touch human consciousness at that level. Yeah. Oh, that is just so beautiful, and I find your work really, really inspiring. So what are the, some of the transformations you've seen in your students? Can you give us maybe an example of someone that you've worked with, you know, someone, I know you've already mentioned, you know, ALS. I know there was the guy with ALS that was in um, the um, documentary that I saw. Um, There's just so many. I mean, the the like, for example... There are numerous stories of people like who have spinal cord injuries that could never transfer on their own because, you know, transfer from their wheelchair to their bed or to the toilet because they were colliding with their body. They were just using their will to try to move their body, and they didn't have enough strength to do it. But if you teach someone with a, with a, with a spinal cord injury, I'm thinking about a student of mine named Joe, who if you teach him how to press down through his feet, even though he can't as he tries to move his body over, like now he can transfer. We also have students that that with traumatic brain injuries that went from I mean went from being in with a walker in a wheelchair to a walker. I'm thinking about a guy named Zion right now that now that now has gone from not being able to do anything and now he lives on his own. It's mm-hmm. just it's stunning when you start to realize that healing is not about victory. Healing mm-hmm. is not about a reversal of condition. But healing is about realizing that this is the only body you're ever going to have, and there's so much more human potential that's not being tapped. Mm-hmm. Healing is a, is is a much more graceful and messy process mm-hmm. than, than what we're led <laughs> yeah. to believe. Because there's no such thing as healing in a straight line. You go right. through all sorts of things, but if you trust time. If you move over time, so we have people that can now transfer, that are being able to do things they could never do before. We have people that are dying well, right, that are actually staying connected to their body, people. And the other thing is when you, when you live better through your mind-body relationship, you actually have better relationships. We have people that could never get jobs, who could, without, like I'm thinking of a guy, Zach, with CP, pretty severe CP, that in job interviews they wouldn't because he couldn't look people kind of directly in the eye. His body was pretty twisted. They never realized how smart he was. Right, and CP is cerebral yoga, palsy being just able for to help people who... Be more, yeah, say that again? Yeah, uh, CP is cerebral palsy for those yeah. who yeah, cerebral aren't familiar palsy. with that, with that, with yeah. those initials, yeah. And, and so, like, for him to be able to sit in a job interview and stay grounded and actually reveal the human being that he is rather than being judged by how he appears, right? Yeah. He all of a sudden has landed a whole uh, two different jobs now. 
right? And it's just like this, and he's now he's 31, he's finally fully employed. So the transformations are both practical like that, but also, you know, living better in your body and t- touching the world and letting the world touch you, that just makes for a happier person. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So you uh, founded a nonprofit organization, Mind Body Solutions, and have said a little bit about it. Can you say a little bit more about the type of work Mind Body Solutions is doing now? I mean, obviously, we've talked about you know the yoga classes that you give, um, but I know you're doing a lot more. Well, we 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 do offer adaptive yoga classes to anyone, to anybody that comes. We also um, we train yoga teachers because one of the missions. Um, the mission of Mind Body Solutions is to transform trauma, listen, trauma loss and disability by connecting mind and body. And so we, we, one of our goals, we want a yoga teacher that can teach anybody in every city in the world. I got lucky and found a great yoga teacher, but they're not, not everyone knows how to teach people with disability. So there's a whole you know, yoga for everyone aspect of what we do. There's also we train healthcare professionals because People that are going through through health issues need a more grounded, connected approach to sustaining their lives after they get out of the hospital. So we do training for healthcare professionals and for patients alike on that level. We also do a lot of things about the narrative power of healing. So we have workshops on body-mind story, which is like how to recognize the stories of your own life, how to tell them, how to be free of them, how to use them for strength and resilience. Um, so there's, that's another piece, too. Um, and we do teach all. When we say, you know, we, have, we, we teach in women's shelters. We help people with sexual assault. We have people with disability. I mean, you can just go with people with eating disorders, right? Because it turns out that mind-body awareness and deepened mind-body awareness and the sensation of wholeness with the world around you helps everybody, even mm-hmm. aging people, do a lot of we train a lot of training for people with aging. So we basically take mind body insights and bring them everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, so, that's so great. And in your book, I was inspired to read about your thirty year plan for the yeah. study of consciousness and the mind body relationship. Even just to have a thirty year plan, or even on a glimpse of a thirty year plan, I think that's that's really that's inspiring. So, what is your hope uh, or your well, kind of biggest wish for what your organization can accomplish? Well, again, having a yoga teacher available to anyone in every any town, any city in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we're, what's really hopeful is we're getting inquiries from all over the world. I'm getting mm-hmm. asked to go everywhere, so we're developing more digital content and things that can travel around the world. Um, but but I think this idea of some sort of center where where it's centered that is definitely a, where mind body Susan expands. I mean, but, you know, there's such a practical side of this, you know, raising money and, and running a nonprofit and all these things. It's a lifetime. I'm on year 27 of my 30-year plan. Wow. Um, and, and I have my next book coming out, and this, this film, the documentary film you mentioned, you, it shows you what our work actually is. We right. want to grow into a center, an educational center, that can both create content that can go around the world, but also creates a place for people to come, to find home again, to land in their own bodies, and study with us too. So we're on an expand, we want to become a more expanded educational center. And that's going to, you know, take a lifetime. But I got three years still on my 30-year plan, but we're making strides now. And hopefully this is with my book coming out and, and, um, 
and the, and the film, I hope this is a pivotal year for Mind Body Solutions. Yeah. So, can you say a little bit more about the book uh, that's coming out? Of, like, when can we expect it? And then I know well, you and I were talking over the break, and you were talking about uh, compassion and how yeah, that's a focus um, of the book. So, can you say more about that? It's just going out to my agent. So, depending on the powers that be, you know, for a while it's in in the um, in stores, it'll be probably a year, I would imagine, um, um, and that assuming things going well. But I'll be traveling around the whole next year and reading from it, right? And the, one of the ideas of, one of the many ideas of the book is that the realization of compassion means that we have to go inward within our own mind-body relationship in a real practical way. That, that, that in order to be more connected, let's say even to the environment, we have to actually go more inward within our own consciousness. And that's one of the paradoxes of yoga and that, that the way we need to study the more unified aspects of our consciousness without them just being mental abstractions. Mm -hmm. And as that happens, as you get connected, as you get more grounded in your own experience, naturally the the world starts to appear you're more connected. The the ancients, there's a great line from the ancients where they say the the natural consequence of alignment is compassion. So my, what I want to try to get across to people is if you, if you get more aligned in your own mind-body relationship, not just with your beliefs, if we could get more aligned with the spaciousness and dimension of our own being and learn how to live in greater alignment, that morality is not a moral, I mean, a, a compassion is not a moral insight. It's a natural consequence of living a connected life. Mm, that is so beautiful. And with that, again, this time has really flown, but we've come to the end of the program. Thank you so much, Matthew, for joining me today. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. It's an honor, and thank you for the work you're doing. Mm. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour, and we've been discussing yoga's promise of wholeness with our special guest, Matthew Sanford, a nationally recognized yoga teacher, sought-after public speaker, and founder of the nonprofit Mind Body Solutions. Matthew won the 2010 Pioneer of Integrative Medicine Award from the California Pacific Medical Center's Institute of Health and Healing and is the author of the book Waking, a Memoir of Trauma and Transcendence and the subject of the documentary Standing Still, Still Standing. You can find out more about Matthew and his work at the website mindbodysolutions.org. Join us next week for the program, The Radiance in All Things, when Yogacharya O'Brien will host Mark Nepo, poet, teacher, storyteller, and best-selling author. They will be discussing Mark's recent book, Things That Join the Sea and Sky. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga Tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. For more information about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're enjoying the program, we always appreciate it if you share it with a friend. 
Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Anne Hayes and Sean Smith, and as always, Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at unity.fm. I should also mention um, that uh, CSE's headquarters is in San Jose, California, where worship services, meditation instruction, and Kriya Yoga teachings and initiation are regularly offered, and also teachings are offered globally through online programs, outreach, and publications. Matthew, uh, your Mind-Body Solutions is uh, located in Minnesota, I believe, or Wisconsin. Yes, it is. Minneapolis. Yeah. Oh, Minneapolis. All right. So check out the mindbodysolutions.org website. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.